Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello and welcome back to the Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast, isolation edition number four. Just David with you tonight. I've just got off the phone with Scotland legend Duncan Weir. We had about a 45-minute chat, which you guys are going to be able to enjoy. Now we cover absolutely everything from living in isolation to that drop goal in Italy, all the way through that intercept against South Africa and some of the darker periods of his time through injury and moving from Glasgow to Edinburgh. Really hope you guys enjoy it. Please do continue to keep in touch with us on Twitter, at Thistle Rugby Pod, on Instagram, Thistle underscore rugby underscore pod, and send us an email, tell us what you think, the thistle rugby at gmail.com. Okay, absolutely uh, delighted to be joined on the line this evening uh, by all-round Scottish rugby legend Duncan Weir. Duncan, how are you, mate? Well, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no worries, not at all. Uh, thanks for taking the time. And um, you're obviously isolating like all of us at the moment. Uh, whereabouts are you? Down in Worcester, yeah? Yeah, we're down in Worcester. I've uh, down here with uh, the two dogs, my wife and uh, my daughter. So um, it's been uh, busy days keeping up with her. isolation how's it been for you I mean obviously how are you managing to keep up with your training and what are Worcester sort of providing with you to I suppose keep up with the day job yeah so uh, I think it was, it was last week we got um, uh, given GPS units to, to do some milling sessions throughout the week 
Um, so we do three round sessions during the week. Uh, we've got a couple of parties and classes in there, <laughs> and uh, we've got weight programs. But it's kind of um, you, you've got to uh, take whatever weight equipment or rent it out from the club, whatever that thing is just about to happen. So um, I didn't get too much stuff. I've got enough to pick over, but uh, the biggest thing for me is I took a bag of balls to. To, to just go out and clear the head and do a bit of kicking and, and whatnot and probably for me that was more important than uh, getting 200 kg in the back of my car and going right back home um, I've got enough to take over in the, in the weight department and uh, nah, a bag of balls to, to go and clear the head after a long day was, was probably more important to me and what's the what's the sort of latest chat you're getting from Worcester about when you, you might be back in doing any sort of training or any sort of any sort of game time, still a long way off, it looks like. Yeah, well, it's all kind of, we've never seen him here, uh, kind of chat from elsewhere. It's, um, I think the best case scenario that um, they're kind of chatting about is uh, we're going to start on the 1st of June and then we're going to play our first game uh, three weeks after on the end of June and we're going to finish the, this season off uh, and then have a month off and hopefully start again the new season uh, in a, uh, October time uh, November time um, but I think it's all it, it's kind of it, obviously the government's going to tell us uh, what they can do and, and what not but um, yeah there's a couple of scenarios that's getting rumoured um, nothing officially from the pub or yeah. uh, any evidence but um you could just sack off this season and then start again in September or um, obviously there's you know a lot of chat of, of kind of linking uh, every uh, global seasons together so it might be uh, a January start for everyone and then, and then get the, the calendar but and then you, well, you read in the press that um, they're going to start over the Six Nations again in November just because obviously there's a lot of um, money tied into that with commercial Deals and all the rest of it. So, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it kind of stops you dead in your tracks. Obviously, playing some great stuff for Worcester all year, and your your return to the Scotland squad against France. I mean, you must have felt that you were just sort of getting back into it, just as it was uh, sort of taken away. Yeah, that's been that's been probably the best motivation for me to go out and train and all the rest of it because the last match that I was involved in was a. Uh, was an international one for the country so I'm hugely passionate about playing for Scotland and I, I knew how, how you know, much I had to uh, work to get back in that fold and that was definitely having that uh, experience uh, and that taste for it again has, has definitely driven me on to, to go on and continue to try and work as hard as I can to, to get any more special occasions in that match 23. Yeah, absolutely, and it was a, a big, big two minutes. I think one turnover, lovely. Yeah, so sort of win the yeah. match. Uh, well, uh, that secured it anyway. I think, <laughs> <laughs> but no, nah, it was um, it was just brilliant to get back out there. Um, I've been obviously working extremely hard for a number of years, and you go down the the dark days of injuries, and uh, I had a couple of them at, at Edinburgh, mm. and it didn't really turn out great, but. Um, no, it's 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 a, a lot of uh, kind of satisfaction, like that relief of just 
knowing in the back of your head how much you wanted it and how much you've kind of tried to get there and back in that fold and, and just experiencing it with my, my daughter being in the crowd and being able to take her around and the kind of the, the lap of honour at the end of the game like these are the kind of wee things that you're visualising and you're hoping that you can get to do come match day and yeah thankfully I managed to soak up the, the anthem and then get round uh, for a wee lap at the end of the game which was a really special moment yeah, absolutely. And I, I suppose, are you still in touch with the sort of Scotland setup at the moment? Are they the ones sort of keeping you up to date with those potential movements in the Six Nations and with your your sort of progress in isolation? Is Gregor and the and the guys still in touch? Uh, no, Gregor's been good. Yeah, he's been on the, uh, the WhatsApp a couple of times now. So, um, no, they, they support from the, the national team has been great. Um, if we need anything or there's someone to talk to or whatever, um, Thankfully, I've uh, got a good mental space. I'm, I'm pretty busy day to day with a wee one and, and uh, getting out with the dogs. And uh, like I say, like that bit of training. And uh, I've got a, an indoor kind of bike in the house, so you can go and uh, blow 30 minutes on that and you feel like you've done something productive with your day type thing. So mentally, I, um, yeah, I'm in a, in a good headspace. I can only imagine that uh, some people might be. Uh, in a worse off position if you're isolated by yourself for instance so um, it's obviously important for those people to, to come forward and, and kind of talk and get uh, advice and, and help when they need it but thankfully um, we've all been good down here in Worcester Absolutely, very glad to hear it um, just talking about that recall to the Scotland squad obviously I think that we could probably charitably described the first couple of weeks of that Scotland sort of set up as a little bit turbulent obviously with everything going on with with Finn but certainly from an outside perspective it seemed that that group came together pretty well during that Six Nations and sort of blocked out that sort of noise was that what you felt when you got into camp? Um, Yeah, no, I thought obviously um, it was kind of a new young leadership group that was evolving within the squad um, obviously Barclay um, Greig uh, kind of senior guys like that but left the squad uh, obviously Tommy as well like it was a, a chance to for Hoggy and his, his kind of young leadership group to really kind of create a new vibe within the, within the squad and set out goals and standards that they wanted to kind of hold everyone uh, kind of Account for so, um, no, the, the, the kind of team atmosphere was great. Um, personally, so it's, it's even if I was just training every week or whatever, like it's, I'm delighted to be involved in the squad one shape or another. But, um, yeah, no, the, the vibe in the, the squad and everyone gets along uh, just fine. So, um, definitely, it was a uh, it was nice to see, obviously, being a close mate for sure. For, for, Andy Robinson. Yeah, no, Gregor's 
it's really been great for me personally. Um, he uh, he really devoted a lot of time with uh, me being in Glasgow for uh, four, uh, three years or whatever it was uh, uh, during my time there. And um, yeah, no, I've only got good things to say about Gregor. Um, personally, I've, I've, he's really helped me um, along with my game, and I, he's a coach that I, I, I really respect. Of, of how he conducts his business. Um, obviously, uh, in 2015, when we, we won the, the Pro 12 title, it was um, it was a special team that one. So, um, obviously, sharing that delight with him was was uh, it was a good experience as well. I think you you talked just there about your your sort of career at Glasgow, and I think you were involved in a time when. Glasgow was sort of progressively getting better almost year on year and obviously as a, as a young lad from that city traditionally you know a, a football town um, being part of that growth that must have been quite a special journey to be on oh I loved it I loved it yeah um, yeah no I've obviously played a bit of football and growing up and uh, kind of for a long period of time that rugby came second to football and uh, I think it was the age of 16 I just season you were top point scorer in the Pro 12 mid Pro 12 team of the year and then sort of off the back of that you got your first Scotland cap what do you what do you remember about that first sort of taste of the Scotland environment I think it was was it France 2012 you made your JB yeah um, I actually came off the bit I think Greg got a HIA I think he failed um, we like a 20 minutes to go in the game and uh, yeah, but I, I'm pretty sure it was a tight affair. It was, it was very within a score or, or not far away. Um, I remember uh, Richard Vernon making a break up the left hand touchline, and Jonesy maybe 
copped it to him or yeah. something. Uh, there was a try in the left corner and then I managed to kick the conversion and yeah, it was kind of game on for a wee bit. But um, yeah, no, it was, a, it was an amazing experience. I mean, being 20 years old or 21 years old, I think I was, and getting uh, to play at Murrayfield in a, in a Scotland jersey, I probably didn't take it all in uh, obviously at that time everything kind of flowed really fast in my career I felt like pushing into Glasgow at 19, 18 and, and then uh, kind of just all of a sudden you, you're just in that rugby bubble and, uh, yeah I probably didn't digest it it's probably obviously it meant the world and I was delighted about it but I maybe didn't uh can I fully understand what it really meant to play for your country like how I felt France a couple of weeks ago or um, two months ago whatever mm. it was was just unbelievable and just almost felt bigger than my, my first cap like emotionally and, and just um, the build up to it and how excited I was to actually get out there like uh, I just I didn't really know that when you, when obviously when you come in the team coach and you get piped from the East Stand Gate to the West Car Park to the, the entrance and that atmosphere of getting piped in and soaking up that and it was uh, it was things like that that after the Monday or the, the Sunday evening where I got told I was I was in the match day twenty three like these are the things that were churning away in my head and I was just so excited to experience that again and just soak it all up as much as I can because it was the emotion and just the, the excitement around it all that I'd just been pardoned for for so long. Was, uh, there, was there a time in that sort of three-year hiatus where you thought you might not play for Scotland again? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean... During the dark days of injuries and uh, and knowing that I was put like I felt like I was doing a good job at Worcester and uh, albeit my lines of communication was was really good I can't I pulled that he was always giving me coaching points and stuff but at the same time I, I felt like I was playing good rugby and I was expressing myself in a uh, a good light but. Sometimes you need to pinch yourself and, and Finn's one of the best players in the world, I believe. And, uh, yeah. uh, and you kind of just have to understand that. And Albeit it's a, uh, it was probably when I was younger, it was a tougher pill to swallow, swallow than it was now. But it is now. But no, it's, um, I can see what how, how good a player he is. And I'm probably one of his <laughs> biggest fans. So, <laughs> um, like, uh, I, I, knew, I knew that even me having these open and, and good conversations with Gregor that I was there or thereabouts or I'm in the frame or if something goes down then I'll get my chance and that obviously drives you to just keep pushing and keep striving to get there and yeah to get eventually back there after three years it was uh, yeah it was a special feeling yeah amazing can I take you back to I'm sure it's a special feeling for you but uh, it's a moment which has become iconic with the fans I mean the last minute drop goal 2014 in Rome I mean what's going through your head in a moment like that I mean you're talking about this is a match winning opportunity you're only going to get one shot at it is there any sort of insight you can give or memories you can give of the sort of the little bit of time leading up to it and what, what you're thinking about um, I remember I'd, I'd done like I'm pretty sure I'd done a kicking video for Scott 
the day before that test match out there. I remember having this GoPro attached to me and I was just kicking the ball about doing a normal kind of team run uh, kind of switch on session with Hodgie and at the end of the session I remember oh, let's just hang a few drop goals like we might need this tomorrow at some stage yeah. and you don't actually realise that obviously the heat of the moment comes but to be honest I was really calm like <laughs> if I was to go back in that situation now I'd be ten times and I was <laughs> Like uh, I was totally calm. Like, I knew exactly what I had to do. I had to just focus on my ball drop and keep my head down. That was literally the two points that were going through my head. The coaching points that obviously kickers have in your head, and, and uh, when you're kicking it goal or whatever you're doing. But those two coaching points were just running through my head, running through my head. And to be honest, if it wasn't for how good a passer the ball Chris Gusser was, I don't think. I would have had the time to get the kick away because the pressure that was on me was, was enormous. Um, maybe, maybe we probably, we, ideally, we probably would have took another couple of phases to set it up a wee bit cleaner. But we got away with it because Chris Gutter had one of the probably the best pass of the, the ball from Scrum Half that I've ever had. So uh, I'll him so much <laughs> uh, credit that's. Uh, that's it's probably gone unseen, obviously. Every time you play Italy and uh, your Instagram or your Twitter feed mm. was mental because you're you a wee bloke that you've, you've <laughs> had the best strike of your life and you're running about like a headless chicken after it and jumping for joy. But really, just the real hero in my eyes that day was Chris <laughs> Just how good that pass yeah. was. Yeah. Um, it was... Uh, that night's a blast and <laughs> I can't really remember yeah. much but I remember having a good time nonetheless yeah, good stuff and uh, another moment that I think um, you talked about your Twitter and your Instagram blowing up we're, we're guilty of playing it over and over again your interception in the World Cup in 2015 to set uh-huh. up that try for Tommy Seymour what, what's going through your mind when you, you've got 75 metres to go against South Africa at St James's Park I was just delighted that I didn't have to tackle one of those huge blokes again. <laughs> nah, um, yeah, I, I, like a, I'm not one for really going for many intercepts. Um, or maybe just in the, in the 10 channel, you don't really get many like, opportunities to. It's maybe wingers or 13s or something. And thankfully, I was kind of outside the seam of the, the main defence that I could actually see the play unfold a wee bit easier. So... Yeah, I just managed to read the play and yeah, once I caught it in our own 22, I knew I was going to have to high knees it at a yeah. left to get there. Um, but yeah, it was an amazing old run and yeah, I was just uh, delighted that a little pop off the deck went to hand, credit to Tim, uh, to this there, that they kind of read my body language because <laughs> me blown blown that hard to, get, to just run that far I definitely was giving them zero communication um, so no him just being able to read my body language and and uh, pick up that offload and, and to be fair he does really well to, to pop oh, him yeah. back and say to Tommy as well so no I, I remember absolutely double fist pumping it and going mental when I got back to my feet after that and uh, St James's Park was going through the crazy atmosphere. Obviously, it's, 
it's such a uh, amazing place to play football in, but we pretty much have a home fixture in the World Cup uh, down in Newcastle and, and such a, an amazing stadium with the fans right on you. It was, uh, yeah, I remember going nuts. And I, I remember turning around to the bench and seeing, I don't know, was it, I think it was Dicko and Forby and they were just like going mental on the bench and then, me giving a double fist bump going <laughs> just, yeah the collar probably sticking up to the back of my head because I've got no neck as well so uh, there's a few funny pictures from uh, from that that, that scene of events but no it's definitely one that it's probably uh, I, I wish I could get more intercepts because it's an easier way to score than going through <laughs> 20 faces but uh, no it was a, it was an amazing crazy run but it's funny Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Being at 10 uh, and being a, a playmaker, people kind of forget that you're you can you can actually have a ton of pace in there as well. So yeah, uh, I always uh, ever every any few occasion that I do make a break and I get to show my my ton of pace, I love, like to call it. Um, I always uh, I always just say the boys, I don't want to show it off every week. You know, you need to keep people guessing, and uh, yeah. you like you like it catch them off guard and give them a wee surprise now and then so um, I'm, due another, I'm due another one of them uh, <laughs> sometime soon it was, it was 2015 that happened so um, hopefully if rugby gets, gets back up running soon <laughs> and uh, I can show all these uh, <laughs> so I've got to turn the pace again even though I'm 28 well, you played a. I, I have to say, I admit I didn't know this you played a couple of tournaments for the sevens team in your early career as well didn't you yeah um, a little, probably, little John to Vegas. It was. Um, I remember it, it was. I was actually um, when I left school. I left school at fifth year. I managed to pick up a couple of hires. And, um, Jamie Dempsey was uh, running a rugby kind of HND sports coaching coach yeah. uh, course, and he was my uh, kind of Glasgow development manager at the time in the academy. So he um, he actually was good as golden he was he was my hawks coach as well at the time and everything just kind of matched up with going to college with him because he basically said if there's any opportunity to go to under 19s or under 20s or 7s or whatever it is you can do it and you can just catch up with work whenever you want and to be honest I, I I owe him a lot to, to be able to give me the, the free run that he did that year because uh, I was getting told 
West Brighton Centre and the odd day I was going up to Glasgow to train with them and um, it was really good for me that I got the one one time uh, away from rugby that, that, that was so it made that path so easy for me so um, I remember doing I've done some ankle ligaments or something for the Scotland we Scotland under-19s played two games that year we played away in Italy we won and we beat France at home at JHA and we won that game as well but I remember I'd done my ankle in that game and I must I think it was like three weeks later and then I get the call and I'm going on the sevens and I was hugely excited because the Scotland the Scotland captain at that time was Scott Forrest was like he was a hero I mean growing up like albeit we were mates but I still strive to to have a career like his being Scotland captain and and playing in the seventh circuit for so long so it was it was an amazing experience for me to go to go and play with him uh, for Scotland but I remember it was like hell on earth I was totally (laughs) not I was not IRB like I came away from it thinking if I had to go to hell it would be the IRB World 7 series, series <laughs> to do it every week because I was just not I was just no nowhere near to the standard of, of uh, condition that these guys are I remember my first game was in Fiji in Wellington and I think I only played like a minute and a half but it was the harshest minute of the minute and a half of my life. Like it was just crazy how demanding it was on the on the lungs and obviously being injured for three or three weeks or a month before it probably didn't put me in the best shape or form and I wasn't full time and I was still a a student or and probably my diet and all the rest of it was was horrifically <laughs> not in the place that it should have been but yeah, it was it was a great experience. All the same, like I still cherish that jersey. I've got that. Obviously, in the sevens, you get a, your your um, surname yeah. on the back of your jersey. So I remember receiving that and just laying it down on my bed for a good uh, half an hour and just staring at it and uh, just soaking that up because it was uh, it was a great feeling at the time. Real memories. I mean. You spoke earlier on, but I'm jumping around a little bit. Who don't mind? You That's spoke right. a little bit earlier about you know being a proud Glaswegian. How did you feel when you were tapped on the shoulder and asked if you fancied to move to Edinburgh, or or how did it come about? Um, it kind of came about fairly early on in the season. Um, not like no real uh, set concrete. Um, kind of you. It is happening. It was more Scott Johnson pulled me aside at Scotland camp, I think, or something along those lines. And he said, "Oh, look, obviously you're Finn or one and two in, in the national team at the minute. So, how do you feel about coming across to Edinburgh and, and trying to get more game time and, and development uh, across there?" And I remember being brutally honest. Like, I walked away from that conversation and said fucking no chance <laughs> I was just, I was just like too proud to probably digest actually uh, it could be a good move for my career and to be honest this was way on, way on in the early in the season and it didn't really pick up legs again until after Christmas um, 
So there, it went like a big, it kind of, kind of went up, up back time before it actually picked up again. Um, and then I, I had a series of conversations with Gregor and um, Gregor was uh, probably against it at the start, but then he kind of came around to mm. actually it would be a good move. And um, once I kind of I knew I, I had no like choice of, of staying in Glasgow, obviously you, you go and explore what else is out there in the rugby market, but obviously um, staying in Scotland and being close to home and Yeah, when uh, that happens, then it's about how you grasp the next opportunity. But 
Yeah, no, sorry to put you alone on that, but no, I, I did no. actually meet me and me and my wife, uh, Nicola, both loved their time in Edinburgh. Um, as, as I mean, the city, like this city, was, was amazing. Uh, I've been forty-five to to an hour drives home on a Sunday just to visit family or you know, host family for the for the weekend. It was it was a really good balance for us as, as, a, as a couple, and uh, yeah, we were both really happy there. Mm. I mean, you're you're obviously absolutely thriving down at Worcester, and it seems that you're becoming a bit of a fan favourite down there. But do you have one eye on you know two three years time? Would you like to finish your career back up, back up in Scotland? Well, probably when I was younger, I always thought that I'd honestly just be a one club man. But I thought I'd start and finish at Glasgow, and I would be over the minute that. Um, Okay, it's just so hard to say. Um, Like I say, like the the rugby industry is just um, it's it's pretty fickle, and um, you kind of just need to sometimes go where the work is and wherever that lies. Um, And obviously, (laughs) being a a Scotland international and uh, and everything, it kind of closes up a lot of doors elsewhere. So. Um, if the chance was to come back, um, albeit I'm, I'm really enjoying my, my time down here, um, I probably would like to, to come back home at, at some stage. I've always seen ourselves settling back in Glasgow post-rugby. Um, but obviously, life after rugby has to come into that conversation mm-hmm. as well and, and, and see where uh, we can kind of piece together a life uh, after rugby, whatever that may be. Well, we'll put in a good word for you and see if we can get you sorted for uh, a swan song at, <laughs> at, at Scotston. Um, I mean, Duncan, that's been really fascinating. A couple of questions. We asked a couple of people on Twitter, so I'm going to ask you the cleanest version of these questions, if that's... Uh, um, Kevin Miller, who's the sort of the stats man at Glasgow, he wants to know, is it accurate that you've only ever had one yellow card in your career? Um, I think so. And I got done when I was playing uh, for Edinburgh. One of our first games, my uh, side uh, oh, uh, yeah. uh, Richard Cockrell. Um, who was it again? <laughs> it was it was either like it, it was someone that was kind of I don't know if it was a European tie, whether it was a foreign team or. It was kind of an Italian mob, I don't know, yeah. I can't remember. But <laughs> I remember we, we made like a really good line break and uh, I was like down, it was just like hands to the pump to clear out the rock and I was down trying to play nine and uh, their boy was just like completely illegal, hand on the ball and I just gave him a bit of a shoot uh, <laughs> and I got sent to the bin and that was the only time. Only time. Oh, that's all right then. And then the yeah, second one uh, from second one from Twitter is um does Francois Hugard let you ride in his Lamborghini? I've got it now, so he, I give him a ride with it. Do you give him a ride in a day? I good. <laughs> <laughs> 
We've had a few people, we had Johnny BT, Richie Vernon have all come on and uh, sort of answered this next one, which is who's the best player that you've ever played with at any of your clubs or country? I just don't know the answer. <laughs> there's so many amazing players that have just got like ridiculous attributes in, in different areas. To name a few, obviously, Nico, what he does with the ball is just ridiculous. You've obviously got Leone in that bracket as well of Fijian Magic. Obviously, the hobby is, is world class. Uh, down, at, down in Worcester in my, last season, Bryson uh, was just mm. ridiculous for us. Um, I remember, uh, sorry to drag on, but I've got a story of, of being in a game and, and he was just like, he was calling for the ball like for a good two minutes before I actually got the ball to give it to him. And I eventually just gave it to him and there was nothing on and he just like brings four people, drop, like steps the full back and scores. I remember just running to him after the after they scored. And I was just like, whenever you call for it, I'll just give you it next time. <laughs> and he just started chuckling me. He's like, yeah, fucking right, I want the ball. And I was like, fuck yeah, we'll play you because I'll just chase after you as hard as I can, looking for an offload so I can score. And I actually did get a couple of tries just off the back. It hadn't been ridiculous and been able to pop it to me. Um, Nice. So Coach, he was, Coach, yeah. he's a ridiculous player. And then, uh, I don't know. I don't know the answer because there's just so many avenues of obviously forwards that play a massive part in me doing my job well. Uh, it's kind of giving me a platform. So, yeah, I, 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 I honestly, I can't, I can't say. I always feel like I've always been blessed with a good seven inside me. Um, yeah. Which I'm very fond <laughs> uh, fond about. Uh, obviously, Barclay being at Glasgow, Fazaro, um, uh, we had Simone, the, the Italian lad. Yeah. Um, Hamish at Edinburgh, Jamie Ritchie at Edinburgh. Um, I've got Sam Lewis or Mark Mama down here at Worcester. So I've always been blessed with a, a pretty ridiculous seven uh, in my side. It makes my life a wee bit easier because if I miss a tackle, they're often the ones that will make it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, or if I make a, a tackle, they're often the ones that get in and slow up the ball or steal the ball. So and there's just so many dimensions of, of that question. I just I, I don't have an answer for you. That's all right. You've given us <laughs> you've given us plenty of options. And then finally, and this is how we we usually ask who's your worst ever roommate, but. Given the times that we're living in, who's the of all your teammates? Who would be the worst person to be stuck in lockdown with? Probably be really good fun, but I think I don't know. He'll probably be raging at me that I'm I'm mentioning <laughs> this folks then. But Hoggy would be like a Judasel bunny if he had to lock, lock the house <laughs> with him. Yeah. And if he couldn't get out and do I don't know, sing to the birds every half an hour, then he'd be chewing your here you know, for whatever, so <laughs> I, I reckon you'd get pretty fed up with him, but obviously he, he's, he's such a good guy at the same time that he, yeah, he wouldn't be in the world, so 
Good stuff. Well, Duncan, look, thanks so much for giving us uh, so much of your time this evening. Uh, really, really no interesting. And uh, I hope you and the family stay well. All the best. And uh, I you. hope to see you back in a Worcester and a Scotland jersey soon. Yeah, that'd be great. Thank uh, you very much for having me. No worries, mate. Cheers for that. Cheers, man. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye. 